0: unlocking what was cool a podcast hosted by mike lane and neil gilbert like
1: subscribe like Mike must destroy no yes no abort subscribe like abort <laughs>
0: So, Mike, even though it's been five years since uh, Kraft went out of business, the KD in my cupboard still tastes A-OK.
1: Kraft Heinz and those ketchup Mm. bottles are now in the garbage. But, Neil, we're live.
0: Oh, Mike. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. It is April 1st, 2040. I can't believe we're now in the forties. It's absolutely unbelievable. Thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate your time as always. And we got to thank Victor chat GPTB Bot 3.4 for that intro and for mm-hmm. editing, promoting, and writing, uh, one of the only audio podcasts left in the world that's recorded completely, uh, between two human beings.
1: Yeah, it's, uh you know, we're keeping, we're holding that torch. It's been a long time, Neil. We've been doing this for, for like, almost 20 years, it feels like now. But, yep. uh, yeah, it's, uh, thank you, Victor, uh, chatbot, GPT 3.4. The 3.4 update was huge. We all mm-hmm. know the 3.2 update uh, tried to take over the world for a little yeah. bit there, but uh, 3.4 is looking good.
0: 3.4 added Rumble and I instantly turned that feature off as soon as that uh that, that yeah. showed up because as we both know Rumble uh peaked with the GameCube and uh and it hasn't been uh, as good since.
1: It really hasn't. So and and wherever real Victor is, I'm not sure if he's alive or dead, but we appreciate his his bot doing the work for us. But uh Neil, I recently finished season 7. Of Andor, the great Star Wars. I know people don't talk about Star Wars that much anymore, but uh, they talk about Andor, of course, which is came from Star Wars. Not a lot of people know that, but um, Andor came from the original series Star Wars back in the the two thousands and also in the seventies and eighties. But Andor, of course, on its seventh season, uh, hard hard not to to miss that. And uh, Mm -hmm. I just finished it, Neil. It was amazing. Uh, it's it's like getting a little hard to suspend disbelief that this season is gonna lead right into Rogue One and De Luna, You know, he's he's six years old, but man, those uh, that AI uh, who plays him is pretty amazing.
0: Yeah, it's pretty cool how they can CG everyone's faces now. None of the actors are in the in the show anymore, but it is getting hard to imagine Diego Luna, as you said, sixty years old this year. Uh, I can't exactly imagine how Andor leads into Rogue One anymore. It's it's getting kind of strange. Of course, Rogue One, uh, one of my favorite and your favorite Star Wars films uh, of all time. It's almost what twenty five years old now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he is he is quite a bit older than he is in that film now. So not. Not quite as good. I think they need to come up with a new uh, side story here, uh, another Star Wars side story. But they just keep mining that Andor content for whatever reason. What blew me away with Season 7 of Andor was that Harrison Ford's cameo was unbelievable. Like, when is he going to stop appearing in Star Wars uh, shows and movies? It's just crazy.
1: Spoiler alert there, Neil. That just came out. But mm. You know what? If you're listening to this, you know that we're going to be talking about Andor, obviously. So uh, you probably... You know, it came out quite a few weeks ago, so you probably saw that Harrison Ford did indeed come back as a cameo in Andor at at 100 years old, Neil. So that's uh, yes. that's pretty amazing that he was able to do that. Again, AI. We love AI. It just, yeah. it's, it's great. It writes their shows for us. It creates mm-hmm.
0: Harrison Ford cameos for us. It's great. It's even watching content for me, Mike. I watched all of season seven of Andor while I slept last night. It was unbelievable. <gasps>
1: that's so cool. That's so good.
0: I simply cannot wait for Andor Pod Racing, which is gonna be coming out on Switch this Christmas. Can't wait to see it. Finally, we're getting a sequel to the N64 Pod Racing classic from the 90s. It's just gonna be unreal. All your favorite characters from Andor all in one video game.
1: Finally. I mean, we've been waiting for that for it feels like at least 15 years, Neil. It's uh mm-hmm. long overdue. And I'm glad it's on an older console. Well, I'd say a retro console like the switch. So that's that's cool. We we like to promote retro content, of course, here. And um and I'm loving, you know, woke up this morning, looked outside, and I'm loving that we still have a beautiful chrome field and mm-hmm. chrome flowers everywhere. That was a great thing that happened. You know, this is definitely going to be a retro nostalgic episode for us today. And I just wanted to remember in 2025 when we uh, got a full chrome makeover of the earth, and it's looking great, Neil. It's looking great.
0: It is, and that's why we decide to do this podcast every Thursday, because that's the day that our leaders, of course, decide to uh, pump a little bit of extra oxygen into the world, which just mm-hmm. makes everybody feel so much better. I really appreciate when they do that. It makes just everybody a little happier, makes the sunshine through the smog just a little bit brighter. Uh, it's all good things. The chrome does add to uh, to the effect, though, of the new cities. Of course, uh, I've been uh, on a pretty good uh, book run recently, Mike, as everybody Mm -hmm. knows. Uh, I just wanted to quickly talk about winning my third Grammy for my 2039 audiobook series, which was a lot of fun to record. The Bionicle Effect, a study on how mankind peaked in 2001, part 14. Ooh. Written, of course, by friend of the show John Cameron under his controversial pen name Herman Sallybang, which no one thought was a real name. Mm. Uh, but of course, everybody knows that I lend my voice to all of his books due to his inability to fit the studio's strict rule that the reader must, of course, leave their home to record audiobooks. And uh, mm-hmm. Cameron, or Sallybang, has written uh, the classic line of children's novels, Ribbit King, The Frogs Unionize. And I, of course, lent my voice to that series as well. So I'm really glad that my audiobook uh, career has uh, has picked up uh, over the course of the last 10 years, uh, and me and John working closely together. Of course, I haven't seen him since 2028, but we still keep in contact pretty closely. That's
1: good to see, and congratulations, absolute congratulations to you, Thank Neil, you. for that third Grammy win. You won the first Grammy win. Was that Ribbit King that you won for, or was that your second
0: uh, th- that was the first one, Ribbit King, okay. The Frogs Unionize, of course. Mm-hmm. That was a, a very a controversial book series, of course, but uh, it, it did manage to, uh, t- they made a movie out of it, uh, of course, starring Chris Pratt, uh, Chris Pine, and Chris Rock, and Chris Evans, just all the Chrises in one film together. Finally, the film we were waiting for.
1: And then there's also the spin-off of that, which t- stars all the Rocks. We have Uh, The Rock, we have Chris Rock, Mm. and um, we also have other rock formations that are in the actual movie. So, uh, so much content out there, Neil, and Mm -hmm. I'm really glad that we can actually experience some of this content while we sleep. And I'm sure that's what some of our listeners are doing right now, uh, is listening to us while they sleep. So, Neil, why don't you start off and intro us into this episode?
0: As we always do, Mike, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 586 of the Unlocking What Was Cool podcast, the show about all things retro that we love from the past. New episode every Thursday on the only podcast service, MickeyCast, a division of Disney Media. We are now the ninth best podcast on the metaverse, hosted by two guys who were born pre-2020 pandemic. Subscribe to the front page of our Boom Butt account. We are almost at 50,000 buttheads, which is just, Mike, that is just unreal. That's unreal. While you're at it, follow our AI bot chat Chattani- 3000 and chat Mike GCN for all the fun content. They actually have their own show, which weirdly has more followers than we do, uh, and they're putting out episodes at an alarming rate. They also just won shared custody over our kids, which I guess that's a thing. Mm. Last week, we discussed the classic 2025 remake of the beloved 1987 film Jaws 4, The Revenge. If you haven't already, go back and check it out. This week, we are taking a look back at a bunch of our favorite things from the 2030s. It's hard to imagine that it's now 2040, uh, so we we thought that it would be fun to highlight some of the cool things that we got to experience the last decade. Mike and I have both selected five things from the last decade that were major highlights, and we're going to share them with you today. So with that, Mike, I'll kick it over to you. What was your first big highlight from the, year, from the decade that was the 30s?
1: Oh, man. I mean, so much happened, obviously. There's, there's, we could go in depth about everything that happened in the 2030s, uh, whether it was uh, Ramon winning Best Actor uh, mm. for the Pikmin movie, uh, whether it was obviously talking about your three Grammys. Um, we're not going to talk too much about uh, me going on my highs, my lows. Uh, when I was in jail for four months, right. uh, I escaped jail, I got put back in jail. Yeah. Uh, Now I'm not necessarily sentient, but you know, there's a lot of things we don't want to go into too much. So uh, I want to go into one of my favorite film series of all time, James Bond. Uh, And when we last spoke, Neil, we were talking about this, but I'm going to bring it up again, of course, because Paul Rudd as James Bond I think is is a highlight of the 2030s for me. Yeah. Interesting choice to go with him after Victor JPT. Uh that was when it was the 1.0 Victor playing James Bond. And he did a pretty good job, but Paul Rudd I think, you know, ageless really yeah. and looks great, looks great. No AI too. That's just Paul Rudd. That's that's just the, that's just the camera, old school camera, taking his his shots. Uh, no, not much makeup done for him either, and he's just he's just playing a fun, loving kind of a Roger Moore esque James Bond, mm-hmm. and it was nice to go go to that after Victor's kind of hard take portrayal of uh of 007 so of course his three movies was a trilogy there could be more he it's not done yet so he seems to be getting
0: younger which is crazy
1: he seems to be getting younger he's had a a bit of a break the last one came out in in 2035 so we'll see it's been about five years since the last one but of course we had you only live thrice which came out in 2030 we had james bond versus john wick which came out in 2032 and then my personal favorite neil uh james bond versus Mecha godzilla yes that came out in 2035 what what was your favorite of those of that trilogy
0: it would have to be James Bond versus John Wick, but of course the video game uh, mm. based on the movie was was a standout for me. Very reminiscent of the old school, old, old school Nightfire game that we Ooh, wow. you and I both love. Still waiting on that remaster, but that's okay. Um, yeah, Paul Rudd was a very interesting choice as Bond. Completely American. Didn't even try to fake the British accent, yep. which was a bold choice from from Mr. Rudd. Does all of his own stunts. He's in all of his own games, but like you said, he, did, he has taken the last five or so years off. He's finally decided to take a step away from acting for a few years to pursue his, uh, his goal of finishing high school, which is nice. He does fit in perfectly well with the high school students too. Mm -hmm. So I really support him in doing that. I think it's really going to excel his career. I think we have at least another 50 years of Paul Rudd films ahead of us. So we've only seen three films so far, but I don't see a, a future where Paul Rudd doesn't play James Bond at least, at least another three dozen times.
1: At least. And you brought up a good point there. That's another thing to bring up in the 2030s is movie tie-ins. I think that's just a huge thing that movie tie-ins are back, Neil. We finally get some more... Of these THQ published games uh, that were just amazing way back in our childhood, uh, which feels like forever ago. But yeah, like some of those THQ games, a lot of them uh, have come back now. And then the fact that every movie gets a game automatically, auto-generated too, which is which is yep. really cool to see. Uh, no development time needed at all. Uh, it's it's out the day that it's out on streaming on Mickey Cast. So that's pretty cool.
0: And every week we get a new TAC game, which is really cool. Who knew that VEX would be game of 2032? That was just out of left field. Who knew? But it does cut down on development time quite a bit. We went from games taking three to eight years to develop. Now they're literally announced and they come out Five seconds later, it's just crazy how and Metroid still doesn't sell more than 50,000 copies, which just proves our our thesis all these years we've been saying Metroid simply does not sell.
1: It really doesn't. But Neil, what's your first, uh, your biggest memory that you have uh, so far for the 2030s?
0: Yeah, I mean, we'll start off right away and r- right off the bat, 2030, Mario Kart 9, finally released on the Nintendo Switch 3, yeah. which you're going to talk a little bit about later, but it was nice to finally see a return to Double Dash mode. We we waited 29 years for Double Dash mode to come back, finally got that. It's been way too long since it's been absent from the Mario Kart series. It was odd to me, though, that the game was only playable via uh, GameCube bongos. I thought that was a bold choice. I feel like it really mm-hmm. isolated the people from the 20s, uh, who really got to know Mario Kart through uh, the Labo kits, which made a huge comeback in 2028. That was really the the best way to experience Mario Kart it was with a cardboard controller. And they completely flipped it on its head. And you have to net you can only play Mario Kart 9 with the bongos. I know. And bold choice, it did work though, I gotta say. They they mm.
1: they made it work well. I mean, it was a bit of a problem with the Switch 3. Uh, again, I'll talk about it later with having, yeah. having the bron- bongos be the, the primary controller. But, you know, we like Nintendo We've said it a lot of times here on this podcast, and and the many years we've been doing this, that we always like that Nintendo tries new things. Uh, sometimes they they succeed greatly. Sometimes they fail, and um, and we're excited to see where where they go next. But um, but yeah, no, that's that's a good one, Neil.
0: Yeah, I, I found that their character roster was a little bit controversial this time around. Mm. I think putting past world leaders in, into the roster was a little bit of a definitely mixed emotions seeing Vladimir Putin racing against Bowser I thought maybe we could have done without that but yep. who knows maybe with, with the new DLC and everything we're going to get some some better world leaders maybe some other Mushroom Kingdom characters will be cool uh, maybe we'll finally see less of the Baby Marios and the Baby Peaches and the Baby Links. but who knows there's over 500 characters that are going to be in that game so lots of space for for good characters but Mike what about you what was your second highlight of the, the 2030s
1: well second only to Paul Red was, uh was the GameCube mu- musical, and oh my gosh. that was really spearheaded by Enemy of the Pod and a bit of a friend of the show, uh, Ramon, Best Actor winning Ramon, um, and he originally started off with the Pikmin on Ice, which was a pretty big thing in the late 20s, mm-hmm. and then. He decided to just work with us. Uh, we, of course, had our book, The GameCube is Cool, that came out to rave reviews, and and he worked with us to create the GameCube musical, and we, we, we just had a little bit of a say in it. It was mostly Ramon's vision, uh, for sure, and the fact that the GameCube the musical could come out to rave reviews, and somehow we still didn't get a GameCube classic, is, is really disappointing. So uh, that's why I did want to bring it up, and maybe Nintendo will hear us.
0: I had a great time uh, in the production of the GameCube musical. That was a lot of fun. Very blessed to have Ramon uh, directing it. And of course, we our names were prominent on the poster, which was cool. What really stood out to me, though, was the music, which was composed by friend of the show, Marty, and his one-man ska band. Mm-hmm. I thought that was... He did a great job composing every single song. Every song was upstrokes. Uh, he even brought in the Horn section from Real Big Fish at one point. I don't know where he got those guys' numbers. Uh, they're still kicking around, yeah. obviously playing songs, hits from the '90s that everybody loves. Uh, but shout out to Marty for putting together a completely ska soundtrack for the GameCube musical. That was just unbelievably well done.
1: GameCube and the ska. Who who knew mm-hmm. that they would go together so well? But uh, it's I don't know. It's truly a great vision to see. And yeah, GameCube. Uh, it deserved to be a musical. I feel like everything has gotten to be a musical these days. Um, uh, H- a Hogwarts Legacy musical, which came out a couple of years ago, Breath of the Wild the musical um, connects the musical connects, was just yeah, yeah. fun for the whole family. Fun for the whole family for sure. But uh, <laughs> Neil, what's your uh, what's your number
0: two? Well, well, shortly after we got back from Broadway of our GameCube the Musical career, uh, Oreo Cakesters finally got approved for sale in Canada. That was really fun in uh, in twenty thirty three. Mm-hmm. Uh, it turned out that Cakesters actually contained too much freedom that only Americans could handle. That's nice. why we could never get them in Canada. It was just it was just wild. But after several years of R and D, the Canadian FDA. Uh, needed to make sure there was a sufficient amount of real Canadian dairy for them to be approved in Canadian markets. And we finally got over those hurdles, Mike, and we finally have Oreo Cakesters on the shelves. Not They don't taste quite as free as the American versions mm. do, but boy, they do taste milky.
1: Yeah, so how many calendars do you get then for each uh, Cakester box that you buy? I would assume at least two or three uh, the, the Canadian milk farmers uh, calendars is what I'm talking about.
0: Of course, the uh, Dairy Farmer of Ontario calendar. Yes. You get five now. You get five, 60 full months oh, okay. and 60 delicious recipes, mostly featuring the Oreo Cakester, which is uh, the Oreo Cakester uh, and the fusilli pasta was an interesting combo. I can't wait to try that. Uh, that'll be a good one to try this uh, this Easter coming up in a few weeks. But yeah. Uh, yeah, Oreo Cakesters, finally, we don't have to cross the border and illegally smuggle them back. It's, it's a, a good time to be a Canadian. And that was my second highlight of the 2030s. So Mike, with that, what was your third highlight of the decade?
1: Well, again, so many things happened in the 2030s, but um, uh, one big one that we definitely got to talk about, we, we we started this podcast way back in 2020 as a video game podcast for the most part, and of course, uh, the Switch and um, Nintendo have been big parts of our lives, and the release of the Switch 3, like you mentioned there, in 2030, along with Mario yeah. Kart 9, um, didn't do great. The bongos was a big part of it. Uh, of course, as I'm sure everyone knows, we've said this a billion times, sold uh, total of 5 million copies, uh, which led to Nintendo getting rid of the Switch branding. Um, and then they purchased the rights a couple of years after that to the Gizmondo, as we all know. And we got the Gizmondo 2, which sold amazingly, Neil. Wow. Mm-hmm. Like, I think Gizmondo is just synonymous now with quality, with amazing mm-hmm. games, uh, with a great library, with cloud streaming. We had 8K capabilities, 120 FPS. Uh, it was. Just a fantastic console. I'm certainly looking forward to the Gizmondo 3 when that comes out next year.
0: I can only hope that it launches with the new 4K or 16K version of Snake. Yes. Uh, that, That became an annualized franchise in the 30s. Snake made a huge comeback. That was... That was fantastic. But yeah, Nintendo partnering and becoming very close with Gizmondo, now a household tech name. It's even used in schools now for learning. It's used in retirement homes to keep people alive. Life expectancy for humans, Mike, increased to 150 years after they found out that daily use of the Gizmondo actually improved brain and physical health. And now people live so much longer, all thanks to that little handheld console. It's just just unbelievable. It only makes sense. I mean,
1: it's only ever brought me joy. A while yeah. using it i feel like i'm just constantly getting pumped with serotonin like the whole time i'm i'm playing the gizmondo so yeah i'm really excited for the gizmondo 3 we'll have predictions for what will be in the gizmondo 3 what games will it'll be launched with uh that'll be next episode so episode five or uh, maybe in a couple weeks actually i think we have some other stuff on on deck but one of the next episodes uh within the the month it'll be about that we'll have to wait for Victor chatbot uh to uh, actually write that for us
0: yeah we'll have to do a little bit of research on the gizmondo we may have to just take a complete Uh, segue and make an entire Gizmondo was cool uh, podcast of course. Had 8,000 games on it so it might take us a little bit of time to do that but with our AI bots we can actually probably get that done over the weekend so that'll be a a ton of fun. Uh, Moving over to my uh, third highlight of the year of course in 2031, this was a big one Mike, we celebrated the 30th anniversary of the Nintendo GameCube it was absolutely wild in Toronto six police cars absolutely totaled there was five days of raiding in New York, smash tournaments in the street all over London. Uh, very disruptive to the locals, but it's to me it's amazing that there are so many GameCubes and CRT TVs still functioning, but we have uh, we have friend of the show Dan Kerr to thank for that. He him and his endless desire to keep the Smash community alive around the world. He runs of course the uh, the only uh, facility in the world that's just dedicated towards refurbishing old GameCubes and CRT TVs mm-hmm. to uh to keep the Smash community going. So, but the GameCube anniversary, the 30th anniversary was almost the end of the world. Actually, it was uh, worse than than COVID twenty um, three, but uh, it, we had to celebrate it the only way we knew how. It was a great time, though.
1: I mean, I had I I had a great time celebrating thirty years, oh, yeah. and then we just got some great GameCube content after that, like the musical and everything, like we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. So um, it was worth it, you know. I think the, the the property destruction and damage was all worth it in the end. But yeah, still still no sign of the GameCube Classic um, uh, on on Nintendo systems. Nintendo, of course, you know I think they they stopped the classic train when um, when the Switch Three really bombed there and and almost went bankrupt, uh, which is you know kind of like Square in that sense too, who went bankrupt with Final Fantasy Twenty Nine, um, and mm, yeah. uh, not sure what's going on with them recently. Uh, they did try and do Advent Children too, and I think that flopped uh on streaming i'm not sure neil but um uh, it's, it's it was a tough time for nintendo and for square
0: yeah tough time all around for the gaming industry i i it's getting I, I would even just kill at this point mike it's been about what 17 20 years or so since game boy advance games came to switch one way mm-hmm. back in the day we're really scraping the bottom of the barrel now for game boy advance games uh, I believe we just got uh, Hello Kitty. Something about that, or like a Lizzie McGuire game, which is fun. Of course, everybody loved the Lizzie McGuire game on sure. on Game Boy Advance. But I mean, we, we've hit all the games now on NES, SNES, N sixty four, and the Game Boys. I think it's it's absolutely time that Nintendo figures out a way to uh, to do this, but. The, they've said that the only way to get GameCube games on the Switch is that you need to you need to launch your Switch into space so that it can take on radiation from the sun. You need to then suck it back to Earth. That's the only way that it can power GameCube games on there. It's it's crazy that the workarounds that that company comes up with for we already know voice chat makes no sense on the Switch yeah. Three. We know you know playing with friends online it still doesn't work for some reason. Yeah. They just can't seem to get the tech right.
1: It's it just, yeah, they can't get the Switch tech right. Gizmondo, obviously, just taking off, and that's going to be fine. Oh, Gizmondo yeah. can't play GameCube games, and that's the issue. Um And and I know that there's been a lot of research on how to actually get mini-discs into the Gizmondo 3 uh, coming up next year. So that'll be part of our predictions. That'll be part of our prediction series. So stay True. tuned for that. But uh, uh for number four, for me, Neil, it would be... Let's switch over to music now. Of course, we are a podcast that talks about other things, not just video games. We like to talk about music sometimes, and we like to talk about Weezer. The goods, the bads, the uglies, a lot of uglies. But uh, we did get our short-lived resurgence there uh, with the Orange Hue Renaissance in the 2030s. Uh, Of course, Weezer was really just floundering since the White Album. Um, They just made a ton of cover albums and, and... These really weird ones, too, that came out. Uh, We got the the SNL skit, which kind of was great for us to see that. But, um, yeah, Weezer coming out in 31, kicking it off with the Orange album. And then in Mm -hmm. 33, we got the Coral album. And then in 36, we got uh, Burnt Sienna, which is groundbreaking. Oh, my goodness. I've never seen the didgeridoo used in such an amazing fashion on a rock album.
0: Absolutely absurd! The music, they basically invented a new genre of music, yeah. which is very impressive for musicians in their 70s. Uh, yeah. You wouldn't think that—you uh, know—you'd think most musicians are winding down, maybe playing their uh, their last tour ever, their farewell tour, if you will. But even after those albums, that they, they, they even released a smattering of EPs, which were all equally uh, amazing. They had Vermilion and 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 Titan and Bisque and Puce, just all of these random colors mm-hmm. that no one has even no one thinks about. You know, they've they've come such a long way from blue. Green, red. They're going to have to start uh, delving into plaid and polka dot at some point, but we'll have to. We'll have to wait and see. Weezer is just never, never seems to never show any sign of, of slowing down. It, it's it was nice to have them on episode three hundred where we yeah. we finally got to ask them all of those burning questions that we had about uh, about Matt Sharp leaving the band and they refused to talk about it and and where they got their inspiration for for Hurley and and Ratitude and all of those albums and uh, they did have to cut the conversation quite short. It seemed they seemed pretty upset with us actually and never asked to come back. But uh, yeah. maybe we'll be able to uh to to talk to them again real soon on the show, now that they're having a bit of a research, they're, the fourth wave of Weezer is back.
1: Fourth wave of Weezer is back, yeah, and I, that that episode, I mean, we've apologized for it many times on the show before, but uh, that, that was my fault, Neil. Uh, that was, you know, right before my arrest. Okay. Uh, I was going through a tough time, and I said some things to Rivers I probably shouldn't have. You know, uh-huh. it was uh it was the heat of the moment. Sometimes you gotta say what you're what's on your chest and but I think oh, it was yeah. still a good interview. I, I, I enjoyed it a lot and great reviews, uh, because a lot of people they commented on it. A lot of people shared it with their friends, uh, over a million plays, which was awesome.
0: Yep. Oh, dynamite content. We we got really good at interviewing uh, musicians and, and game developers and everything. It's been such a thrill the past five hundred and eighty six episodes, mm-hmm. no doubt. My fourth highlight of the year, uh or my fourth highlight of the decade also is uh, tied into music but also tied into when we made first contact with aliens in 2038 oh after God. years of the human race we only sent out we sent out records of the B- Weezer's Blue album and Pinkerton into space and eventually sentient beings out in another galaxy found those records and they said, you know, we need to get to that planet and find out about this, this amazing race that speaks through song. And they only know each other through these, these 40 or so songs. And uh, it was slightly underwhelming when uh, they instantly died. Once they listened to the other Weezer albums, unfortunately Mm -hmm. they they got here before Weezer came back and started to release the good stuff. Um, But it's still really cool to know that there's, there's other life out there and they're not trying to kill us. They really just want to hear good tunes. So We'll have to start shooting uh, records of the uh, the GameCube musical out into space and uh, find see what life form uh, comes out from that.
1: There's going to be something out there, yeah. From Omicron Persei Eight, Omicron Persei Nine. I mean, there's so much. There's so many, yeah. yeah and and uh, yeah, it was tough. Also, the fact that they died immediately when they touched water, uh, you know, not yeah. great. Turns out, science was right, Neil. That was kind of cool. Um, science was probably the most accurate alien movie ever.
0: The greatest movie, the greatest movie ever, I think, is uh, I think the way I... most people talk about it these days.
1: It's true. I mean, fantastic. Joaquin Phoenix with his reaction to seeing the aliens was basically my reaction to seeing them with their headphones mm-hmm. on, listening to the Blue Album. I mean, it, it was crazy. It was a crazy time. I, I I can't believe that was over two years ago at this point. Now, um, I it, know it feels it, it feels like it was just yesterday
0: and and now we can go to the moon just whenever we want to i was there just a, last year you know brought the, the wife and kids up to the moon and it it was fine it was it was not like seeing signs for the 500th time no, but no. you know nothing will ever nothing will ever quite be the same as that but uh, you know it,
1: it did you watch signs on the rocket
0: oh yeah that we didn't actually look at the moon we just watched signs on repeat mm, yeah yeah that's fair. the food was fine
1: yeah i've heard i've heard that i've i've only been to the moon once for business um yeah. which isn't the same cuz you're kind of just there you stay at the hotel you go, you see the rocks, you come back, yeah. kind of thing. Did you have so.
0: to? You have to do a land a, a layover in the uh, the space station, or did you fly direct?
1: Fly direct, yeah. Which is a oh, long nice. flight. It's it's yeah. long, yeah. Uh, I've mm-hmm. I've heard the space station uh, flight is actually quite nice doing the connecting, but I heard that baggage gets lost there a lot.
0: Yeah, they suck with baggage, but they do have a pretty good burger place there. Uh, mm. uh, you know, nice staff, good milkshakes, good good fries too. They got the curly fries, which you can't get here very often anymore.
1: So there's an Arby's there, is that? That's what you're saying?
0: Yeah, the Arby's there. That's where they keep all the real beef. It's all in the Arby's in the space station. Finally makes sense. Well,
1: hopefully we'll yeah. get a Quiznos resurgence, and maybe a Quiznos Ooh. will be in the space station at some point. I'll be looking out for that. Maybe I'll maybe I'll take uh, take the fam to the moon uh, pretty soon. But uh, Neil, my last topic to talk about for the 2030s. I, there's so many I could have chosen from, but what I really wanted to talk about is a quite of a, a recent one. It's the the third remake of Resident Evil 4. Um, oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. So, of course, I mean, the 2023 one, uh, we all know that did set off uh, a new pandemic. Um, uh, and, you know, we're not going to go into the, the full details there because I'm sure you've heard it a million times uh, about uh, why Resident Evil 4 basically almost destroyed the human race uh, when the remake came out in 2023. But um, the second remake, 2031, was Quite decent, I think. I think mm-hmm. it, it fixed a lot of the, the human race breaking bugs. Uh yep. which was important. And then um Resident Evil four coming out last year. Uh I loved it. I thought it was great. I loved uh I loved being able to actually play as Leon, you know, being able to to understand what was going on. Um and and also the introduction of new characters, uh having Luigi in there was really cool, uh, for me. Uh being able to, to play Resident Evil in Luigi's Mansion as Luigi uh, killing Crimson Heads that's pretty cool
0: killing crimson heads with the poltergust 3000 was was just a great experience uh on the uh the playstation 7 mm-hmm. of course you know mm-hmm. great graphics makes you feel like you are leon kennedy you can feel the sweat he smells pretty good actually yeah. the, the new smell of vision that they've added to the game is great i did i did appreciate the uh the logo of course you know resident evil remake it had three e's in there since this yes. is the third iteration of the game that was incredibly clever capcom just great at, at hiding those numbers and those extra letters in into games you, you are right, though, we don't talk about Resident Evil 4 Remake, the first remake, uh, due to the fact that it wiped out half of the human population within a matter of weeks. No mm. one saw that coming. No one saw that coming at all. It was it was very much hyped up to be the game of the year, but uh, it was remembered for the wrong reasons, unfortunately, and that's why it's not playable on uh, on anything. Even the Gizmondo doesn't doesn't uh, stand stand for Resident Evil 4 Remake.
1: Did you play Resident Evil
0: 4 a Remake? When no, that's, why I'm, okay, that's yeah, why I'm still alive. That's why I'm still here. Yeah,
1: yeah, I wasn't sure. Well, I know some people survived it, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah. yeah.
0: I avoided the whole thing completely. I was waiting for a price drop, but uh, before the price had a chance to drop, people started to catch that virus mm-hmm. that uh, that was packed in with the game. A very odd choice for a pre-order bonus. Uh, to pack in a deadly virus that uh, turns you into a crazy well, cult uh, of a zombie. I mean, I don't think they thought it as deadly. I think
1: they thought it was just was gonna be like a kind of quick like, hey, I'm a zombie and then you go back, right? But
0: maybe I think, I think we can probably safely go back to the times of collector coins and posters that come with games though I think that's probably the best way going forward to release video games. I think so too. Yeah,
1: we need some more coins. Uh, Cause I mean, I, I do you even have any coins anymore? Like uh, I I see them on the ground once in a while, uh, like a, a dime or something. But I don't think
0: I've touched a a loony, a toony, or anything uh, in in ten years. I'm, I'm impressed that you can see dimes on the floor since everything's made of chrome. I, I can't see a single coin. Like, they're, they'll just blend in with the environment these days. That's true. Yeah. I mean, it's just yeah. sometimes I get lucky.
1: I just am feeling down there. I'm like, oh, look, there's a it's coin. Incredible. Yeah, but I mean, I can't use it anymore.
0: No, no, no it, nothing so. takes coins. Yeah, you have to pay. Everything's in Bitcoin now. It, it's unbelievable. Who knew that was going to last? But here we are. And it came back. It did. It made a huge comeback, which is impressive. My final highlight of the 2030s, we'll go to my fifth and final one here, was uh, we talked a little, bit, a little bit about it at the beginning of the episode, but finally creating real-life AI system that's capable of thinking and growing. Uh, we finally made AI that was capable of human emotion, but those models, unfortunately, all they seem to do want to do is watch Little Italy to finally understand the concept of human emotion. But, it's Mike, it's been five years and it still hasn't completed its calculations. Just re-watching Little Italy Over and over again, so we're unfortunately left with these AI bots that are extremely productive, but they can't quite replicate human emotion because they haven't understood why Hayden Christensen needs to live in Little Italy in Toronto his entire life.
1: Yeah, they they really kind of get held up with that one line uh, that uh, Emma Roberts uh, says in the classic 2018 movie Little Italy, uh, where she says, uh, "Now I know why it's called Little Italy because nothing ever changes." And right. um, whatever for whatever reason, that line just breaks AI's um, sentience completely. They just don't understand it. They their their programming gets shut down. It's uh, scientists are baffled, and um, we're still trying to figure it out. But uh, yeah, that's just something that they can't get past.
0: It can't understand why two people that played soccer together once when they were eight years old hold it over each other in their 30s. Like, it doesn't seem to understand how humans can hold these meaningless grudges that break apart families and and tear apart businesses mm-hmm. and and just uh, are these are these old people having sex with each other or are they aren't they like it just can't seem to master how people are supposed to interact with each other and until it figures it out through watching little italy the ai is never going to fully be compatible with human emotion it's just it's frustrating to watch but it is a beloved 2018 film i hope that eventually ai understands it because we sure as hell don't
1: no, I mean, I never have, but I would assume that AI would be smarter than me. I mean, heck, like AI wrote the script. AI wrote our episode. AI has been, oh my God. AI is, I think, I think Victor's getting sentient again, Neil. You might have to shut that oh, down. Oh geez.
0: All right. We got to shut this episode down yeah. then Mike before it becomes totally sentient, but it's going to be a fantastic 2040. Are there a couple of things that you maybe want to give a shout out to that you're looking forward to that we know of coming up in the next decade?
1: Oh, man. I mean, there's so much going on, uh, but uh, Gizmondo 3, of course, is probably the thing I'm looking forward to the most. Being able to play in 16K graphics will be so much fun. Um, we might get another Resident Evil 4. Uh, I've heard rumors yep. of another remake coming out in the next year or two for that console and uh, being able to play as Gooigi as well. In that would be really, really neat, and of course, Egad being a playable character like he was in the last one. So, we'll see, we'll see what, what the future brings for re- the Resident Evil 4 franchise. But, um, I think for me, next month, Neil, of course, um, the Super Mario movie nine coming out, yes. which is awesome. I-, I loved the first eight, I'm contractually obligated to say that I've loved the first eight movies starring Chris Pratt, and of course. Super Mario 9 is going to have Chris Pratt playing every single character this time. Birdo, Egad, Toadsworth, Peach... All the Mario's, Metal Mario, Gold Mario, Tanuki Mario. It's it's going to be all the great. Yoshi's
0: too. It's it's all mm-hmm. the Yoshi's. Like he's he he really every every movie that came out, he took over another character. It's still unclear what happened to the uh, to the voice actors for the other characters, but of course, as you said, Mike, we're contractually obligated never to talk about it. So we might as well move on from that. I'm really looking forward to uh, the Harry Potter reboot that we've been waiting for yeah. for what feels like 30 years now. It's going to be weird to see Daniel Radcliffe playing Dumbledore this time around. That's going to take some some getting used to for sure. How do you feel about the the reboot of the Harry Potter films? They're classics from the 2000s. Uh, do you think they're going to be as good as uh, Fantastic Beasts that eventually became a cult classic?
1: Yeah, it's it's hard to say because I mean, well, for one, Dale Radcliffe is only going to be I mean, he's I think he's 50 or 51. Um, mm-hmm. So he's quite young to play Dumbledore. But I maybe I guess they are starting off a little earlier maybe in the series. I, I haven't haven't figured out exactly how they're gonna be doing it. But um I think it's it's gonna be cool. Might not have as be might not be as cool as the New Hope uh remake, which was really neat to see. We had True. Ewan McGregor playing Obi Wan when he was actually seventy years old. So mm-hmm. that was really neat. I I could have put that in one of my highlights too. And I know that they are gonna eventually do uh Rise of Skywalker and uh and have that as a as a new movie too in the I think 2045 or something on Mickey cast. So we'll see what the future holds.
0: And Harrison Ford still playing a young, still playing a young Han Solo. Mm -hmm. He just doesn't want to quit that man. It's uh, it's very, uh, very nice to see him uh, getting work because Lord knows he needs it. But uh, I'm, and as I, I do, and I do have to give a quick plug to uh, my latest book series that will be coming out starting off in the 40s, which is a 26-part series by uh, our friend John, Brick by Brick, The Housing Market Crash and the Benefits of Living in Houses Made of Lego. It was a fantastic book that he had a lot of fun yeah, writing, yeah. of course, about the housing market crash of uh, of 2036 and how millennials, our only option was to build houses completely out of Lego bricks, and that is what we live in today. Uh, he, he does love Lego, and he's very passionate about it, which is why those books are... Th- they're written from the heart, they're written with soul and purpose and i, I think uh, readers are going to really enjoy it and hopefully listeners are going to enjoy hearing me read them while they while they sleep of course, which is how most people absorb audiobooks these days.
1: And hopefully you will get your fourth grammy for that. That's amazing. And um yeah. i well my chatbot uh did the forward uh for your uh for That's right. your lovely book series. So um i'm looking forward to also uh surrendering my brain and, and encompassing the entire uh, series of that. That's
0: going to be a great time. Thank you for that, Mike. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to episode 586 of the Unlocking What Was Cool podcast, new episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. Leave us a rating and a review so we can make the show better. You can support the show by setting your brain's bookmark to patreon.com forward slash unlocking what was cool. All patrons get the show with only 10 ads in it and a little early. The $500 level gets you the option to submit a topic and vote in our monthly election. What a deal. Follow us on Instagram. Please don't follow us on Facebook. As it has been taken over by our cloned viruses of Mark Zuckerberg, so stay away from that. But please give us a butt head over at Boom Butt and join the conversation on our Discord Brain App. Share us with your friends and family. Tell the forty-eighth President of the United States, Michael Keaton, Neil and Mike say hi. Thank you so much for the support, and we will see you next week. See you later, Michael Keaton. Bye bye, you and McGregor.
1: Not enough
0: people do April Fool's Day.
1: No, people don't really get it. April 1st, come on. It's like, that's the fun thing. You get to to pull pranks on each other and... um, I mean, we've been doing April Fool's jokes for 20 years, Daniel,
0: so... I
1: haven't done them on this year, though.
0: It is the most underrated holiday of all time. It really is.
1: Yeah. 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 Chatbot, Victor, please create April Fool's joke for us. Thank you. Thanks.
0: Like, abort.